Welcome in, welcome in, welcome flock once again to another edition of 3 In, 3 Out, your unique Seahawks recap, the podcast, the whole thing already where we look at really the, the intricacies of the game. We dive down deep. I am your host, Clinton Bonner. You can find me on Twitter at Clinton Bon. I am joined today and I know he's fired up. I listened to his uh, his post-game uh, rhetoric with Christopher yesterday. I'm joined today by a man who I, who I know, I know he's fired up. So Brandon Schultz, Brandon how are you doing today? Clinton, you don't even have to ask because the Seahawks are 5-1 and one through six weeks. I got to celebrate a Rams loss yesterday. I'm not celebrating the 49ers win, but I'll, I'll celebrate a Rams loss, watching them lose three games in a row. It's a good day after a Seahawks win all the time. Uh, it, always, always. And it's nicer when like, hey, the Cowboys, they lose to the Jets. So you got an <laughs> NFC team that should be four and two. They take an L. You got the Rams now three and three reeling. What a golf have 78 yards. Is that it was in the seventies? Yeah, it was. In the, yeah, yeah. So if you're yeah, exactly. This is not that 70s show. So it's not cool. It's not a it's not Fez and, and, and you know, Ashton Kutcher and all that all that fun stuff. It was the exact opposite. 78 yards. So watching Goff and that team get demolished. It was a two sided coin for me on that one. And of course, we'll get to the Seahawks. But it's always nice to talk about a Rams dismantling. Two sided coin is number one, love the Rams at three and three. Number two, the 49ers are, are pretty friggin' for real. That that defense, um, their speed reminds me of us in I'd say about 2013. So I'm I'm a little I'm a little uh, nervous about that team. I think they're actually pretty damn good. Yeah, the defense looks legit, but you know, we don't need to talk about those other NFC West teams. We have our own Seahawks to talk about. And Clinton, the thing that I'm curious about is people are gonna start listening to the show thinking that we just automatically start with an in every week. But we only start with an in when we win. That's right. There's there's this one rule on three in, three out, and everything else is kind of these like guidelines. But the rule is when we win, we start with an in. And again, we're five and one. So this is the fifth time out of six tries. And that's 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 some was it 80% that uh each that we started with the we started with an in. So listen, I've got I've got one cooked up here for you, Brandon, to to you know to react to. The beautiful part here is that all of a sudden we know how good Russell Carrington Wilson is. We've known this for a long, long time, but now it's seemingly to me like the national media finally gets it, like finally accepts it. If that's if that's Pete Prisco saying he's the MVP, if that's uh, Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football with Nate and team saying, hey, this dude's the MVP so far, something like we've known for a long, long time. So I don't often go to the well on three in, three out as we as we really look at the the more intricate details of the game most often. However, however, that specific throw, that touchdown to to Brown on that first touchdown throw, what do you think Russ had? Russ had maybe what? Half a second, maybe. I mean, I have to go back and look. Maybe a second. He hikes the ball. A dude is in his face near immediately. He throws a dime. This is not some dime over the middle. This is not like a little tight end dump. This is a dime floated into the corner of the end zone with Brown doing like a little flag route that hits him so perfectly in stride while Russ is eating turf, watching the play, and it just rainbows right where it had to go. I mean, man, to me to start, I have to start there because I don't often go to the Russ well. That throw to me was so exceptional. We're down 20 to 12 at that point. And Brandon, that to me was one of the definitive moments in the game and one of the best throws I've ever seen Russ make with a dude right in his grill. To me, that is the first in. What do you think about that? 
And was that also the drive where Russell Wilson apparently lost communication uh, in his headset, and so he just had to call all the plays himself? No, actually, that's Brown's second touchdown, from what I understand. <laughs> okay, but all the ins, right, could typically go to Russ, but uh, but no, it was it was the the second one where he hit that time he does hit Brown over the middle on the scribble play where they got amazing pass protection and got to give some love to Effetti there. He did a great job on that particular play, but no, not well, that Russell one. Wilson. He had a couple plays in this game where he could sense that he was about to get just pressured, uh, you know, all the pressure from the defense. And he would just do one of those little lob passes up to a guy that he knew that he would either be there or he wouldn't, and it wouldn't be in danger of of an interception. I think he had one that he threw out that way to Procise. Yep. Uh, I, I forget there was a, a third one, and I don't know who that one was to. But well, he had, he had that other one to... He had that one to Malik Turner, too. That was a bit of a floater yes. where Malik got the, the pass interference on that. But same thing where Russ was under duress pretty much in a couple instances right away. And he just he puts it where it's like it's either his dude's ball or it's incomplete. That's I mean, what else, that's a perfect thing to do against against either a blitz or or when you have a pass pro breakdown. Right. And zero interceptions now through six games for Russell Wilson, 14 touchdown passes. Everybody else in the league who's thrown a qualifying amount of passes has an interception. And so Russell Wilson, the only one, the the last man standing. It's tremendous, right? And you start to think, you know, like you're like, you know, knocking on wood, like, could you start to be like, could he? Could he do it? Like, could he go? You know, like I don't know. The whole of course, season? yeah, you know, and I know, I know. Of course, now we're jinxing and all that stuff. But it's like you start to you start to see six, you start to see seven, you start to see an eighth game. You're like, with the amount we throw, which is you know not that that much compared to other teams, and how damn accurate he is, and how on his game he is. Could he? You know, you start. I mean, to, I mean eventually there's going to be one, and whether we jinx it, the the announcers of this game were trying to jinx it. I think in the first five minutes of the game, they mentioned three different times how Russell Wilson hadn't thrown an interception yet. So they were trying hard to jinx Russell Wilson, and he came through flawlessly. You make me feel better about us even bringing it up, so I appreciate that. <laughs> I do have one thing I want to talk about in that play too. Uh, so the, the celly, right? So the, the touchdown celebration where they go into full, you know, uh, in sync, bye, bye, bye mode. A, yeah. that classic, loved it. Fantastic. But do you know what my favorite part of that celebration is? Do you have it? Do you have a hunch? I don't, I don't even have an idea. All right. I'll just, I'll just give it to you. So the best part is go back and watch this. It's so freaking classic. Hollister is kind of like at, for a brief moment in time, he doesn't know exactly what's going on yet. Doesn't realize it's choreographed, and he starts to, he starts to look like he's going to run over. Then he realizes, oh, oh, this this is not really for me, and he just turns around and backs out. He just knows, like, oh yeah, that was the wide receivers, and I wasn't in that meeting because I was just called up from the practice squad, and I'll just talk to these guys uh-huh. later. You know, he just like it's so great though. He starts to stride towards him, realizes they're doing something he's not aware of, and you just see him turn around. And it's just classic. So go back and watch it because it's gorgeous. Go back and watch it because in sync is. Uh, is fun and why not? And then go back and watch Hollister's mid reaction to the Selly because it was just freaking classic. So for me, that's the first in beautiful toss from Russ. We're down 12 to 20 at that time. And there couldn't have been a more money play from our most money player. All right, Brandon, hop on over to the outside of the ledger. And again, for those that don't know, three in, three out, we look at three specific plays or topics or players on the good side, the inside. But we also look at things that could have maybe gone a little bit better. It's just a little bit of a a yin and yang here, the sober yin, the raging yang and the whole thing already. So for me, it's early in the game, the first out. We're down seven to six. We haven't really stopped the bleeding just yet whatsoever, as we know the Browns scored three touchdowns right away. 
we get the Browns into, what is that, a, a fourth and seven? A fourth and seven? And Kitchens is is being aggressive out of the gate. Well, I think they're on the, maybe the 37-yard line or something like that. 38. 38. There you go. And man, oh man, why are we in, what, what's th- three-man prevent rush on fourth and seven? We haven't stopped them yet. We know all the stats. We know what everything says. They must know the advanced stats about about getting to uh, getting to Mayfield, getting him scrambling, you know, getting him uh, out of the pocket. We saw what the Niners did last week, and we go three man rush. And lo and behold, Mayfield has plenty of time uh, with a three man rush and completes a twenty seven yard completion down the field. They score on that drive. And it just, again, it's just one of those things, man. They took a big risk, big, big risk. That's pretty ballsy. So hat, you know, hats off to that part. But why the three-man rush there? What, what is the deal? That irked the crap out of me. I'd rather see them overload, bring an extra corner, you know, get Mayfield running uh, right away and get him off his game and make him throw short and underneath. But nope, they let it develop and they give up 27 yards. I don't get it. I don't like it. It harkens back to 2012 versus Atlanta. We go into a shell and we give up chunks of yards for no damn reason. I don't know. What do you think, Brendan? I'm with you. I would have rather seen them do the exact opposite of that. Rushing only three guys in that situation. I, maybe you think that their tackles aren't that good and you think that Clowney and Anza have that opportunity to get to him and at least pressure him into a throw. But when you have five offensive linemen against three of your defensive linemen, yeah, that's not going to work out usually. And usually it hasn't worked out for the Seahawks. So I'm with you. Send pressure. Send extra pressure in that situation. Make him throw the ball quickly. And we saw that... Throughout the game that, you know, whether it was just making Baker make a decision quickly or making a receiver try and, you know, trying to put that extra pressure on a wide receiver to make a catch. Odell Beckham had how many passes go off his hands? Yeah, he made the spectacular one. Yep. There were a couple of easy catches just, just went right off of his hands. There were a couple of the interceptions, the K.J. Wright interception, the Tedrick Thompson interception where it was bouncing off dude's hands and we were there just to snag it out of the air. Yeah. I mean, just deflections and like, just, you know, ping pong and being like Plinko having, having, you know, as many spikes in the board as possible to, to get some reactions going, but no, it was like the opposite of Plinko was like, you know, take all the spikes off and just throw the thing at the 10,000. It just, you know, nothing, nothing to, nothing to happen. No collisions. I mean, even in the game where we didn't get a lot of pressure, there were still standouts like, like Jefferson, did a couple of really interesting things to get in the lanes sometimes. You know, he would just get his big arms up there and Quinton did a nice job uh, a couple times over where where you could see that he really affected Mayfield. But again, rushing three, plenty of time, clear lane, dude gets open, 27 yards. I'm like, I'm like, I'm early on, I'm pulling my hair out going, that's an out, flagged it early. And, and to me, just inexcusable. Be more aggressive, be aggressive on both sides of the ball. You're the better team. And you know, start to impose your will defensively. We didn't do that until the second half. Thank goodness we did. But this is one of the reasons we didn't do that. So for me, the big first out is to being very non-aggressive three-man rush on a fourth and seven. All right, but enough with the the outs already. We won this game. So we're going to hop right back on over to the inside of the ledger. So 
for me, Brandon, like obviously we know that we're not getting a lot of uh, a lot of defensive uh, pressure on on the QBs. It's a, I think it's the second game in a row without a sack. I think we had no QB hits in the entire game. But I said this was an in, so you're like, what the, what the you know, Clinton? What the hell are you doing here? Yeah, where are you going? <laughs> yeah, where, but, where are you going with this? This is not starting off positively. But correct. It, sometimes we meander, right? So it's it's a lot of osmosis <laughs> sometimes on three and three out. But what what I did like is that. It was 20 to 18, about nine minutes to go in the third quarter. And what do we see? We almost see like a carbon copy of, uh, of Clowney's play just from a couple of weeks ago where there's instant recognition of a screen and gets the big paw on it. And, and in that case, he t- Clowney takes it back for six. But here, it was the other dude. It was Ansa, right? So Ansa, he recognizes like immediately, oh, dude, oh, man, this is, this is a screen. He knows, he knows he's got Chubb kind of escaping behind him. And he just kind of like a like an outfielder just opens his hips and tracks back towards it. He gets his big paw up there. Now he doesn't quite get the ball. It just misses him. The pass is complete. But then Anta just motors, stays with it. And as I, I think, I'm not sure if it was KJ Wright. Maybe you remember who the, maybe it was Wagner, I forget, or Kendricks. Some mm. linebacker, maybe a CB, is engaging Chubb for the front side. And at that same exact moment, Anta punches the ball out. And then Ansa's kind of on the ground, like a big panda bear. And it's like right next to him, like a, a big barrel of bamboo, just like, oh, that's mine. And he just picks it up ever so slowly, but yet, you know, but yet with care and gets up and rumbles for a few more yards. That was huge. I think it was, I think it was Kendricks actually, that between Kendricks with the recognition, with Ansa realizing straight away what this was, almost making the tip on the play, then still having the perseverance to track Chubb down, punch the ball out mosey for a few yards and hold on to the ball change it over right there in the third quarter that play was huge man i love the effort i love the recognition i love the motor i loved everything that ansa did there and for me that was a big 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 in i'm gonna say just for the ability to actually recognize kendricks in a positive way that it was kendricks in that position i, I again i don't know if it was i can't confirm it I, but it, it feels true and i want it to be true because kendricks otherwise had an incredibly just terrible game in this game he had missed tackles i felt like he wasn't you know missed guys in coverage but yes the anza was there to punch the ball out just falls right in his lap and able to get up get three yards and it came at an important time in the game too because cleveland driving down the field that was right after the seahawks go three and out to start the third quarter you're thinking oh here we go the seahawks are getting the ball back they had the score right before the end of the half they come out and they had you know, a penalty on Justin Britt that puts him back 10 yards. Russell was sacked then right after the holding penalty. Yep. So it was an ugly uh, start. Yep. then at that point, it's third and 21. And, you know, they're just going to either dump it off or run it up the middle. The Browns get the ball back and they're on the Seahawks 29 yard line. And then it was right after that. They get a holding penalty on the Browns and, but you still second and 20, they have the opportunity. They've shown that they're going for it and four down territory when they get to that specific part of the field. So for Anza to come up with that big play in the moment, it helped turn the the tide back to Seattle because they were able to drive down and get up 25-20 over the Browns. And if we're not getting this this great pass rush, it's not quite there yet. You know, again, I saw Clowney in the, in the backfield, just like last game, a couple of times where he just didn't quite get there. He had that one where he put his helmet really into the chest plate of Mayfield and got flagged for it. And I, 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 thought, he right. deser- I thought he deserved that one for sure, just with, with the rules. <laughs> 
But like, but they. Oh, I thought you were saying Mayfield deserved it. Oh no, well, no, they probably both. There's, there's different ways you could deserve things, right? So, uh, you know, there, there could be two people deserving of, of on the opposite ends of something too. But we, but we do keep seeing though is that they are making these plays. They are making these big plays when they matter, and I just love this from Ansa. It was, it was some great recognition. And yeah, you know what? Let's uh, let's hold off on Kedricks for just about a second, and that's what we call in the in the world of uh, entertainment foreshadowing. All right, Clinton. Well, I think we're about halfway through, so let's kick it to a break. We'll come back and we'll finish this off with some ins, with some outs, and of course, some contributions from our members of the flock. Nice. All right, Brandon. So we're talking now about, see, we talk about this foreshadowing and you brought it up earlier with Kendricks. And I have a kind of a bigger O or bigger out that goes on top of it. Definitely Kendricks did not look Great. And he, you know, he was, he is flying around. He's, he is missing, missing some tackles. And the play that stands out to me though, is that Ricky Seals, Joe, is it Ricky Seal or Seals? I think it's Seals. I think it's plural. Like both plural, right? Ricky Seals, Jones Jones and Seals. Although I don't know if Jones would be plural for Joan, but (laughs) Seals would be plural for Seal. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. Now I get the Batman Forever soundtrack in my in my noggin too, which which is great. <laughs> so the play that stands out to me is that Ricky Seals Jones uh, touchdown by their tight end, where he just kind of gets behind Kendricks. But overall, for me, there's again just, there's too much linebackers in space. You know the old pigs in space, the old linebackers in space, <laughs> and it's just it's. It's just this thing that I see over and over again where I'm like, man, we talked about it last time, Brandon. We talked about like, hey, are we going to see some more nickel where we saw some more nickel against the Rams? Still wasn't a lot. We're still in that base defense quite a bit. And I think on that play, I'd have to go back and look. I I think we're back in that base again. But I Mm -hmm. just don't love this concept that we're comfortable with all of our linebackers doing so much coverage so often 15, 20 yards downfield. And when we got some, I think in Taylor, a perfectly good slot slash nickel corner chilling there. And some others, like you mentioned, uh, Akeem King, last time we talked about this, who are not getting playing time. I, I want to see us make a change here, man. I, I think week after week, we're getting burnt here. And I think that play in particular was emblematic of, of how we're getting burnt. We're asking, in my opinion, too much of our linebackers too often to be in coverage situations and we're getting burnt. We were down big 20 to six in this game. We were resilient. We won the game. But I think just like you talked about yesterday with, uh, with, with Christopher in the, the post game, this is not always going to be the case. We're going to, if, if we are down 20 to six versus some of the better competition, it's going to look more like was at the 2015 game against the Panthers where they just, they just put us away and as try as we might to come back, didn't have enough there. I don't want that to happen. I don't want to give away games, but I feel like if we keep putting ourselves in these situations where we're asking our, our LBs to do too damn much, it's going to come back to bite us in the ass. And I want to nip this in the bud right now. And to me, that means more nickel and less linebackers in space. It only works if those three linebackers are your best players in those situations. And right now I'm not really sold that Michael Kendricks needs to be on the field for 86% of the snaps. He hasn't made enough plays to where I go. Yes, Michael Kendricks needs to be out there. And when I'm seeing guys like Delano Hill on the bench, who, you know, he filled in well uh, when, when he was starting uh, Marquise Blair, your second round draft pick, not getting a lot of time. Try and find more ways to get those guys on the field. Try it. Ugo Amadi, he didn't have a single snap 
on the defense. Now he's balling out on special teams, but you know, how can you work him in on defense? They tried to do it. They tried to work in a few guys with a little bit more time. Marquise Blair, he had eight defensive snaps. That was only four less than Jamar Taylor, who is your nickel corner, who had 12 defensive snaps. Delano Hill, 15 defensive snaps. It's interesting that they're they're starting to work some guys in on the back end, but Michael Kendricks is still staying on the field for the majority of the time. And I, I he wouldn't be in he wouldn't be in this position to be an out if he was out there making plays. And there's two things here for me too. Like I think there's a couple of really, really brilliant points to bring up. Maybe we need Cody Barton out there more. I possibly, you know, having a guy named Cody can't hurt, right? It's a, it's like, it's like <laughs> you know, it's like my buddy, right? It's like bring Cody out there. So, but but for me, it's also like um, with Kendricks. One of the things that I think he's most effective with is just his speed and getting to the quarterback. I, I feel right. like when, when we allow him to go blitz, he's insanely effective. He's been, and that's been like, you know, almost two years now. We're like, wow, this guy is a really good blitzing linebacker. All right. We're not using him that much in that capacity. And then the other side of it is exactly what you just said. Like th- those numbers right there, man, I just want to get, I want to see some more percentages of those other dudes mixed in and give Kendricks a little bit of relief. And then when it is Kendricks, I want to see him using the blitz packages more, get him at the quarterback. I think he's better that way. However, I will say this last week, a couple of weeks ago, we we're talking about, well, maybe, maybe more, but he came back you know, when he came back from the injury it was disrupting our wide receivers. Then it was last week, Jerron Brown was on the outside the ledger this week catches two touchdowns. So I love nothing more when the Seattle Seahawks make me look like a fool because at the end of the day, I'm just a fan like everybody else. So Maybe it's one of those things that we're, you know, we're, we're calling on Kedricks and, and next game, he's going to be on the other side of the ledger, which is one of the beautiful things of three and three out to begin with. But at this time, I'm with you. I mean, 86%, I think you said of the snaps. How about if that's 65% and how about of, of those 65, he's blitzing a couple times a game because he's damn good at it. I'm ready for that. And I think just being from an effectiveness standpoint, that would make us a better defense because right now I got to be honest. We're not that good of a defense right now. We're playing some okay teams. I'm super pumped for five and one, but I don't think we're that good defensively right now. Still time to come together though. So, you know, if you have somebody that you can expect to coach these guys up, to have them ready for that second half of the season, we've seen them do it in the past. Pete Carroll can do it, but we got to see it. 100% agree. Still early and we're five and one. So, Again, talk to us when it's December and our defense is, is just balling out and, and we're getting ready for a big playoff run because that's what we do in Seattle. All right, Brandon, we are back on the inside of the ledger once again. So we talked about this man last week. In fact, we've been talking about this man pretty much all season. I think we all know the story by now. The dude had a bit of a sophomore slump. Maybe the guy, you know, had ordered one too many pizones over, over the sophomore year and put on some weight. <laughs> uh, who knows? Maybe his regimen was a little different, but he came in lean, mean, fighting machine was down to like 194 this year. So we are, of course, talking about not just the, not just the weeks coming up, but just, just yesterday, just yesterday in, in, in Cleveland, man, Shaq Griffin, continues to ball out. Now, specifically, I, I, I want to put the, the big eye and, and bring that down and, and put the illumination on it and say that play where I think he's on, I think it's, I think he's on Landry and he breaks that play up and T2 gets another really good interception. But at that point, we're down 20 to 12. It's near the end of the first half. A1, Baker, dude, 
bleed the clock a little bit. I mean, I know he's getting killed on that already, but you're hiking the ball with 20 20 something seconds left. Who the hell knows why you're doing that? Like run the clock a bit. Thank you for not doing it. And then Baker kind of rushes that throw, but Shaq is right there. Shaq is like glued to his man, but, but doing it all legally deflects the ball. T2 gets the big pick. We get the ball back and we march all the way back down to, to really make this, uh, you know, at that point, a 20 to 18 game going into halftime. It wasn't just that play, Brandon, but the in for me is going to Shaq. I know you saw some other ones out there too. Uh, any particular other plays by Shaq that you want to call out or his play in general? That pass defense that you pointed out really was a turning point in the game, but he also, he was the one who on second and nine, uh, Baker Mayfield drops back. He goes deep left for Antonio Callaway. Shaquille Griffin's there to knock away the pass. And that was one of the few three and outs that the Seahawks had in this game. And that led to another, I think the the next pass to Beckham was the one that, uh, one of his that was dropped. Mm-hmm. The Seahawks get the blocked punt by David Moore. Malik Turner recovers the fumble and the Seahawks go on to get a field goal. So it was another series where he had kind of a, a critical pass defense to lead to that punt. A hundred percent there. So he, he's been playing like this pretty much all year where he's, you know, he, he's not going to, he may not ever get to that Richard Sherman shutdown corner level but he's playing really, really good ball. And that's, and that's really for right now, all we need from him. He's playing damn good. And I love that you bring up the, 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 the effort and then what that meant for the block punt. I thought it was kind of cool while you always want to go get seven after those or six and hope you get the seven through. We had some issues with that on Sunday with the miss and the one off the, uh, the uprights. But when it was 20 to six, we get that block punt. I also thought it was kind of cool that we compiled our way back into the game methodically 20 to six. 20 to 9, 20 to 12, 20 to 18. It was like, you know, just this slow, slow march of like, no, no, we're going to catch you. You know, we are going to catch you. We are the better, better team. And, you know, you don't like settling for field goals, but at the same time, you know, it was, it was just cool to see this consistent, again, I think, I think that kind of harkens back to overall, I think our offense is really, really good. This is a, this might be the best offense we've seen in the um, the Russell Wilson era, certainly partly because of the way he's playing, but I think our pass pro is getting there. I know our run blocking is good. Chris Carson is a beast. How about Chris Carson out of the backfield? Not to not to give an in, but catching the ball. That dude has better hands than I think people were giving him credit for. And we had this very competent and growing receiving core. We're not going to talk about DK today, but DK is getting a lot of shine this week, but didn't DK look, I thought, I thought DK could only run straight. I thought that's what was told to me, but yet. <laughs> no, we saw him run in other directions yeah, too. He, and he, he still out, was yes. doing it really fast. Yeah. Doing toe tap yeah. catches on the sidelines too. And he's, we're starting to see a complete receiver here. He got the toe drag swag, which you know, Burleson's going to be calling out, you know, this week for sure. Just him with the ball in space. When they give him the ball earlier, they're like, go be a rugby player. Like they did a, a little jet sweep to him. They did that play in the first drive of the game where it was a quick little out to him. And it's like, just go, go barrel people over. It is a joy to watch when you've got a dude who's just, just bigger than everybody else and also faster. So um, I, I know this was all about Shaq Griffin, so we'll bring it back to Shaq real quick, but I, I get excited. Um, well, but, to bring it back to Carson with yeah. his catches out of the backfield, uh, the Cleveland Browns had 11 missed tackles on the day. It felt like probably six of them came on that catch and run by Chris Carson. 
Carson just does this over and over again, right? And again, we, we, we've exasperated our ends and we don't have a bonus in queued up this time. But man, oh man, Carson was really good again. Really, really good again, which is just a, just a joy to see. Three straight games with over 100 yards. He gets the short touchdown after we think Lockett's in. They call it back at the, you know, the half inch line. He gets, he gets to walk that one in. But even on that play, even on that little, you know, half yard touchdown, Upati blew his dude off the ball. Like Upati yeah. creates a such a hole there, and Carson's not touched until a linebacker chips his shoulder three yards into the end zone. That is a recipe for success for this team. So clearly, real fired up. I could I could feel it running through my veins right now. So Shaq <laughs> gets the in. The offense is balling. That's our kind of bonus. All right, let's let's hop over to that final out and wrap things up and get some from the flock going as well. And, uh, you know, get us ready for a big, a big week as we get Baltimore coming in this week. The Earl Thomas revenge game and, and just get fired up for that. Let's do it. All right, Brandon, we are back on the outside of the ledger here. And again, we like we like those nooks. We like those crannies, the trenches and everything else that we like to dig into. We know people are going to talk about, hey, why is ProSize getting the ball on, you know, the two-point conversion and that third and one where he fumbles? We know people are going to talk about those things. We know people are going to talk about the lack of the pass rush. We covered that already. But this one in particular, listen, Chubb is a very, Chubb's a good back. Chubb is a very, very talented back. He's kind of a joy to watch. He's an old school. He's very much like Carson in a lot of ways. Probably two of the two of the top five dudes in the league right there. But it also doesn't help that if you go look at the stats, that every single lineman, I think it was Sans, Clowney, and Green, had a missed tackle. You know, so this is something Carroll preaches. You know, obviously heads up tackling and has kind of formed this whole way that the NFL needs to tackle, and we're so sure at tackling. However, you know, again, Chubb's damn good. But man, oh man, you look up and down that ledger. We had a lot of missed tackles on our defensive line. Yeah, especially in a game where you know that if you stop Nick Chubb, you force Baker Mayfield to throw the football more, whether you're getting pressure or not getting pressure, I think the important thing was to stop Chubb. And the defensive lineman, when I look at the missed tackles, the, the team had 10 missed tackles on the day, but a lot of those from our defensive linemen. Ziggy Anza had two missed tackles. Puna Ford had a missed tackle. LJ Collier was only in for five snaps. And one of those snaps, he misses a tackle. That's 20%. And Quentin Jefferson has one too. And Al Woods, you know, usually, you know, sure-handed, thigh-armed Al Woods had a missed tackle in this game. Good old thigh arms. But, but so it was, that was frustrating. But, you know, with, with all these outs that are during a win, it's the last one there. I do want to always look at the other side of it too and say that second half felt a lot better to me though. You know, we had a lot of, I think Chubb had what, 79 or 78 yards in the first half and then had 40 something in the second half. But also there were actually some, some just tackles for a loss, which we didn't have much at all in the first half. If we had any, I'm not sure we had any, um, but so the second half definitely felt better. And you had a couple of plays where, where Puna did Puna things, you know, he's washing people out. You had a couple of plays where Jefferson, you know, just owned his guy and now we get read back. Right. So we're sitting here at five and one and yeah, that tackling's got to get shored up, especially like you said, the best point there is Chubb is the guy we got to stop. And, and, you know, and Chubb went off, Chubb had a, Chubb had a big day. They were a huge reason that Cleveland was in this game. But we, so we got to tackle a little bit more soundly there, but now we get re-back. We're five and one. Imagine sitting where we were 
before the ANSA and before the Clowney signing uh, and knowing that Reed suspended for six games and that we had traded Frank Clark and that, you know, no idea if Collider would be anybody just yet. And we still don't know that yet. And looking at the schedule we were facing, I know every single Seahawks fan that I know of, at least, would have signed readily for a five and one start with Reed coming back. To me, he's a game changer. I don't know how much he's going to change the pressure scenario, but when it comes to us stopping the run and us being even more shorthanded with our tackling, he is a difference maker. Well, and that's one of the things that you try and think about when you have an impact player out for a significant portion of time. You know, how many games is his presence meaningful? Are you going to lose one game here, or one game there? So for the Seahawks to go five and one, I, I don't know if I expected them, even if they had Jaron Reed in the lineup, do they do I think that they go five and one through their first six games? You know, especially early on when you're seeing New Orleans, a, a road trip to Pittsburgh for their home opener, and just knowing that you can drop one and having the Rams, of course, yep. the the defending NFC champions, you know, coming to town. You you look at those games and you go, Yeah, we're probably gonna lose one or two out of those three games. And so for them to come out of this five and one and now getting Jaron Reed back in the lineup, it's helpful. And it's I'm hopeful that they can fix any issues that they have with the run game. Maybe it leads to some more pressures. Again, that's if if we hear Pete Carroll saying that you're waiting for these guys to gel. One, I don't know if that's technically true because aren't you just going after the quarterback? But uh, two, you you now have more guys of, of chemistry issues that you have to work out because you know Jaron Reed's never worked with these guys outside of practice. But again, at five and one, Reed coming back in. I mean, this is this is a great, great start. Excited to see what happens here. And and I think, you know, we keep hearing Pete say too, it's either the, it's either they're gonna gel, which again, uh, I'm with you on yeah, it really it, it was just getting, you know, getting hauling ass and getting after getting after the quarterback and creating pressure. And we keep hearing Pete say, if it doesn't happen, if it doesn't manifest, we're going to find other ways to do it. So I'm looking at that. Now, next week versus Lamar Jackson, I'm not sure that's the right dude to go blitz heavy on. It's probably the opposite of what you want to do versus him because he's just, he's just going to burn you. And obviously the guy could run with the ball, just went off for 150. But in the games after this, right, when we get into like, when we get into the really cold weather games, we start getting into November, December. I am looking forward to Pete dialing up some more blitzes, you know, and, and Norton dialing up some more blitzes and figuring out ways to get home. With Reed back in it, I feel it gives them more flexibility that they could take more risks, and I'm excited for that. Hey, a fun drinking game that now don't do this if it's Tuesday morning, it's a work day, you know, wait until you, you don't it's tell evening. me when you don't tell me when to do, drink, Brandon. You do not <laughs> I'm tell just me. saying respons- you know, make your responsible judgments according to your work situation. Okay, fair. But go back and and listen to how many times we've mentioned that the Seahawks are five and one. Because yeah. uh, I think that would be, um, you know, if you're if you're looking to really get sloppy, you could uh, you could probably do it based on the, off of this show alone. I like that. I like that. That's that's a and five and one adds up to six, and you know, six divided by two is three, and this is three and three out. And that's just math. That's just, <laughs> math, just math out there. So you know, do do what do with it what you will, flock, but enjoy and definitely, you know, smoke them if you got them. Drink it up. We're five and one. <laughs> Awesome. Hey, Brandon, why don't we head over and get some of these, uh, these beautiful ins and beautiful outs from the members of the flock? Yeah. All right, Clint, I'm going to start this off because we're starting with an in and we're starting with Kenneth Reyes, who is in our Seahawkers podcast, Ring of Honor, it says in 
Baker making some delicious turnovers. Mm. <laughs> and uh, and Russ doing Russ things. And also a special teams punt block. You know, Kenneth, he's probably he's practically producing this show for us. That punt block on special teams. How long has it been since the Seahawks have had a punt block? I feel like Doug Baldwin was involved the last time it happened. It's it's been a minute as they would say, but it was also really nicely drawn up too. Like it was it was almost like a little stunt within itself there and then more just gets free. It was it was beautifully done, beautifully executed. So yeah, great great job by Kenneth. And I do like how he has the in, and then right away his his first out is also special teams not tackling on kickoff. So it is once <laughs> once again that yin and yang that we see here on three and three out. But great job, Kenneth. Going to bounce on over to Twitter for those that are that are following us on Twitter. Uh, Brandon, you're you're at Seahawkers Pod, I believe. Is that correct? Yes. And I'm at Clinton Bond on Twitter. So for those who are not in the Seahawkers pod ring of honor, which you should be. But if you're not, you could also hashtag 3i30 during the games. We'll peel those off of Twitter. And that is exactly what Christopher Rolf did. So he is at agent of Bolas, B-O-L-A-S to give him some love. But he, he came back to that Procise. He's like Procise being out there, third and one with the fumble. He's just saying, you know, basically, you know, where's Carson? Like, why do we have a beast in Carson and why is Procise getting the ball? I'd love to hear Pete answer that one. I'm not sure if he did in the presser, Brandon, but I'll be looking forward to your uh, your presser breakdowns all week on field goals. Yeah, I don't I don't remember him specifically addressing that particular play with the fumble. I I don't even know if I put it on on Procise in that particular situation. I mean, you can't give the ball up, but also as your offensive line, how do you let your running back get hit? three different times before he even crosses over the line of scrimmage. There's, there's some blocking issues there too. Complete jailbreak process has got to, you know, not handle it like a loaf of bread. Uh, <laughs> and, but, but Hey, but, but you, he wasn't getting the first down. That's for damn sure. He wasn't no. going to break it anyway. Now cover up the football, go down and just realize you're losing that play. Instead, you give him a big turnover in a short field. Yep. That was, that was a big, big out. So thanks. Uh, thanks again to, to Christopher calling that out on Twitter. On the inside of the ledger, Daniel Weinholz is joining in on the five and one drinking game. Says five and one, bitches, <laughs> which is wonderful. I think that's a little bit of a potential shout out to El Camino there with uh, with Jesse Pinkman and and the the movie that came out on Netflix for uh, you know with the, the Walter White and the whole thing already. With Breaking I haven't watched Bad. that yet. Is that out? It is. It is out. I haven't watched it either. Okay. I, I see many people saying it's uh, great and and others saying oh, it was it was you know it was pretty good. So we'll we'll see. But yeah, five and one, bitches. That that reminds me of Jesse Pinkman. So I like that. In also let's do one more in from daniel says russ was great again seriously we are spoiled enjoy it and don't take him for granted most nfl teams have never had a quarterback this good yeah, you know uh, thank the maker to that that is 100 accurate and if it's possible to be the 110 accurate it's also that that's just again math and i want to give some love to brian shaw brian shaw sent me uh sent me an out and he said having brandon schultz say that we'd only beat the browns by four points he goes do better brandon he goes of course just joking loves this loves the show go hawks but but man if you had you had some some notre damas going on there calling a four point uh, victory apparently so yeah i guess if i, I should have maybe made a trip to Vegas uh, and, and put some money on that, uh, the four point win, because yeah. man, if you're calling, if you're calling the exact spread, uh, I, I feel like that's, there's, there's gotta be some money there in that. Brandon mama Cleo Schultz did it once again. So good, good, good on you right there. Good on you. And I'll bounce right over to Tim moon. I'll give I'll give So, you know, you know who we didn't talk about just yet. And Tim called it out as his first in, you know, we're talking fantastic. 
So he's just going into like right away, which is, which he's right. He's this, this should be talked about more, but the fact his first two wins are Fant and Jones, like playing as good as they played, man, Russ had some time. And then when he didn't, Russ does Russ things anyway, but he's calling out Fant stepping up big and Jones step looking really good in game two. I think those are both wonderful from Tim and, and two things we didn't talk about yet, which is, you know, uh, which is actually quite weird. Cause th- those are, those are two great ends he's calling out. Blocktimus Prime giving me an out for not recognizing the work that you did, Clinton Bonner, at the last home game where you're handing out Seahawkers podcast stickers, you're you're showing the love for the show, letting people know about the podcast, and you you and Blocktimus had a great time at that game. So I, I knew I should have done it in a previous episode, but hopefully I can make it right by recognizing you here. Well, yeah, Brandon, I wasn't going to talk about myself, so it's about you know it's about about <laughs> damn time. I'm I'm kidding, I'm kidding, of course, but it was it was Blocktimus who was the officer and the gentleman there and he was great to hang out with and it was super fun hey you get awesome looking stickers the seahawkers podcast stickers are freaking blazing they're so cool you walk up to seahawks fans who are drinking beers and offer them a free cool looking sticker guess what happens you get you get some love which is really really cool so love that um hopping on over here for dch so doug had a big in he's go he says not being able to watch the game live allows for my imagination to wander he's like in my mind we won 32 to nothing and, it, it, and that's quite quite lovely so dch is going into a little bit of a maybe a, a la la prisco land here and he's like, hey, I couldn't watch it live. We still got the in. And in my mind, we just we just wiped him away. And this was an easy game with nothing weird happening. There was no weird things with the goal line or refs being terribly bad or or challenges when there was no need to challenge it from the half yard line. None of that happened. Just an easy cakewalk, 32 nothing victory for our Seahawks. Close this out with Lisa Carlson and her out. Special teams play could have cost us again. But you know what? Special teams play also had us in it with the block punt. So I, you know, I recognize it that early on, gosh, giving up a 75 yard return right to start off the game, giving them a short field and an easy touchdown. Oh man, that it hit me hard. I I, I kind of wish I was with DCH and, and not uh, watching the game live because it was, there was some pain that just you went through as a fan watching this game. Well, speaking of not being able to watch it live, I subscribed to Sunday Ticket and they butchered the entire afternoon and they heard about it on Twitter from me and lots of others. I couldn't watch the game live either. So I had to wait until about eight minutes in the game when it was, and this is very rare for me. I'll usually make sure I'm watching it somewhere. But man, so so you were saying let's end it. But And I have one here from Bloomy that I think really encapsulate this. So so Hong Kong Hawk. Oh, he had some good ones too. Yeah, we, we can't leave out Bloomy. No, we can't leave out Hong Kong Hawk. One last big in. He's like, hey, this started just like the Saints game. He's like, but... You know, basically, we didn't get rattled. We came, we talked about it later when it was 20 to 6, 20 to 9, 20 to 12, 20 to 18. And then we get the victory, of course, later, 32 28. But I love that. I think that's a great one to let's, we start with an in, we end with an in. Bloomy saying, hey, this game was off the rails early, but we got it together. We persevered. And for him, that crystallized the end to say, that's what this team is about. We don't have to do that every single week, do we? But since we did, since we got the W, since we're five and one drink, uh, that is an in from from uh, Dave Bloomquist. And I think that's a good way to end the show. We're five and one. We are five and one, people. Amazing. Amazing. So, Brandon, I think there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.